Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing, getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day, and you are next. Let's jump in with your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to Speaking of Getting Booked. It's Matt Browning, and this is, of course, the podcast where we teach you and show you tricks and tools to get yourself booked to speak more, whether you're a professional speaker for a living or you speak as lead generation for your business like I love to teach. Um, this podcast is all about getting those amazing meeting planners, chapter presidents, association chairs, seminar leaders, conference promoters, the kind of people that book speakers like me and you to get on stage. And we get in here, we have a cup of coffee with them virtually, and pick their brains on how you can learn from them to get yourself booked even more. Today, this week, I have my friend Katrina Sawa. Uh, she's known as the Jumpstart Your Biz Coach because she helps entrepreneurs make more money doing what they love and doing it fast. She's created the Jumpstart Your Marketing System. Uh, she's a speaker, a seven-time international best-selling author with 11 different books. She also runs a publishing house helping other entrepreneurs create books as well. She's been featured on the Oprah and Friends, XM Radio Network, ABC, the CW. She's the founder of the International Speaker Network. Hello. Hello. She's uh, been awarded the National Collaborator of the Year Award by the Public Speakers Association, a two-time nominee for the Wise Women Award by the National Association of Women Business Owners. There is so much to do. And of course, she's pr produced dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of her own live seminars, conferences, and events over the years. Katrina, welcome to Speaking of Getting Booked. How are you? Thank you, Matt. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I just, you know, an excuse to come and hang out with you. Sometimes uh, I was saying, how long has it been since we have chatted and connected? Uh, all through the pandemic, we've both been a bit busy. So having an excuse of getting on a podcast is at least a good reason to talk to each other, right? Exactly. Well, we used to see each other at least once or twice a year before at events and stuff. And now, who knows? Who knows? I like being home. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I like being home too, but I wanted to ask you this and I figured we'd do this on tape. Um, how is your extrovert doing? I know you kind of have that both. Um, I, I loved getting the break and being at home, but then after a few months, I'm like, my, my knees start knocking. Uh, I, I get a little bit controlling on how the dishwasher gets loaded. And my wife's like, you need to go to us. You need to get on the road, go fly somewhere for a weekend. I'm like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> how are you doing with, with, with being at home speaking so much virtually? That is so funny. I absolutely love it. In fact, I've, um, I have two speaking gigs in person this year, but um, I'm like, oh, do I really want to go? Can I do it virtually? Like, <laughs> I'm really liking being home and I am not loading the dishwasher. My husband works part time with his companies and then takes care of the house. And I'm pretty much full time in this business um, with all the things I've got going on. So I just get to do what I love, which is talk to people, inspire people, teach them, um, my extrovert is always on camera. So I am always in the spotlight somewhere talking to somebody. So I have no problem with so this. So you get it filled with that. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I just need a combination of that. Maybe I need to switch up the routine. So, Hey, let's talk about, um, kind of, let's start with seminars. And I know there's lots of different variants to go to. Um, you and I have both produced a ton of seminars. So I'm talking about a one day, an evening, a three day, two day, you know, one of those 
uh, sometimes an introductory, I would call it seminar where somebody pays $97 or $197 or whatever the price point is. And we get a bunch of our ideal clients in the room. We teach them for a weekend, offer coaching programs. Um, how many would you say of those type of events have you put on? When you put it that way, I mean, yeah, when I put it that probably way, yeah. hundreds. When you think, when I think of an event, I think of my three-day trainings, right? Or my enrollments, kind of like what you do. Two, three, or four. You have five-day ones, though, too. But we do my have some high-end back when, yeah. <laughs> right? My three-days events, I did uh, three times a year before COVID. And um, when I first started, I was only doing them twice a year. But then I brought on a speaker event, too. And how many years have you been producing events like this? Since 2008, I've been doing the events, like where there's multiple speakers or at least me training or something like that. Um, either one, two or three day or even four day. So I've done every every model you can even imagine. I've done the scholarship tickets. I've done yeah. the free tickets. I've done the, I'll pay you back. You got a seat deposit ticket. I've yeah. done the high end thousand dollar ticket. I've got... I mean, you name it, I've tried it, and it all seems to work about the same. <laughs> that You know what? I wasn't going to go there yet, uh, but let's start here. Let's start about if you're a speaker out there and you want to potentially produce your own event, again, live or virtual, we'll talk about both. There's some strategies to go, and I think that's one of the biggest myths, Katrina. I found the exact same thing. I, I've produced, again, we'll call I call them enrollment events, so those are like a, a more front end. They don't know you that well. You get sell a ticket or whatever price point. Uh, and then you have a chance to build a relationship, to teach and give value. And then, of course, you're probably going to make a high-end offer uh, for your program, product, or service. Um, so putting those on, yeah, I've done the scholarship ones. I've done the seat deposits. And I've done up to $19.97 for a ticket. And the funny thing is I, I don't find a correlation necessarily between what price they paid and A, show-up rates, and B, conversion or sales rates. Have you seen the same thing? I agree totally. Um, and. I have a client who's doing an event right now and she's like, well, I don't want to make it free because so-and-so says that free people don't buy. And I'm like, well, no, no, no. That's I'm so sick of so-and-sos. Yeah. Right. There's, I know. Stop saying that. So-and-so. I'm like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't say that. And I'm your coach. I didn't say that. Exactly. Well, no, you, I think it's all over the board. It really is. And it, it, people have to experience you. That's what I say all the time. Whether you, have a free audio or a free webinar or a free Q&A call on Zoom and you're going to answer questions or whether you have an event, people have to experience you before they're willing to buy from you these days because there's too much noise out there. And so you have to have something, whether it's an, a live event or a virtual event, I think everybody should have something. I, I, I agree. And what would you think of this though? So I look at the price point someone paid and I think it's how committed they are to A, show up, B, stay for the entire time, and C, potentially purchase, um, I think it's less to do with what they paid for the ticket and more what they feel like they should have paid for a ticket. Would you yeah. agree with that statement? Totally. Yeah. Some people say, oh, this was too cheap or you should charge more for this. And I'm like, thanks. You're welcome to pay more. But <laughs> yeah, and that one's great, you know, because like <laughs> I, I've had people come, you know, from a referral, right? One student's super happy. They want to bring their one friend the next time and they get a free friend ticket and the friend buys. So it's like a 100% conversion for the referral. 
But then if you go, so, you know, sometimes these affiliates will go out and they give away. I did this years ago. I don't now, but you know, you can have as many free tickets as you want and they're putting them on the bus stop in the candy store, you know, <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically. And those people are like, oh yeah, it's just a free seminar. It's one of those free pitch seminars. Well, yeah, that's obviously going to be that, that frame. So it's the frame of reference. It's not the actual price itself. It's how do you value it? How do you create expectation for it? And you've always done a great job with your events, creating expectation when they come in. Um, how do you feel about delivering value versus selling that that tight wire, uh, if there is one? What's your experience with running a three-day event? And do, is there any tension between the quote-unquote value and the quote-unquote pitch? Well, I used to have tension, of course. As a newer speaker, when you're trying to speak to sell, especially at your own event, there's a lot of pressure, right? To make yeah. a really good presentation. So the more people buy, that was, uh, I had some massive coaching around that when I first started. So I hired some really good people to help me through that process in the beginning. And uh, it really did help. I mean, that first, um, the first four-day enrollment event that I had was I sold over a hundred grand in sales. And that was, I was like, oh, this is great. It's easy. And then it wasn't so easy. After, I mean, it wasn't always that easy, I must say, but uh, it it's a dance, you know? And back then I used to give way more content too. I'm a content deliverer. So I'm just like, let me tell you everything I know in three days and you're going to be so overwhelmed, like a fire, drinking from a fire hose that you're not going to know what to do with yourself. And that's what I used to do. And then I just kept getting coaching to stop giving so much content. And I thought, well, how are they going to get what they need if I don't give enough content? And it's really more, now it's more, I give more experiential uh, stuff. So it's more experiences and exercises and um, maybe even some spot coaching than a whole bunch of content that they won't be able to absorb anyways. That's so good. I, I'm glad you said that too. Um, there, there's something, it's almost like people create their own content, don't they? When yeah. you, you give like a container of laser coaching or brainstorming or doing exercises that they get to fill in the blank and figure out and they're actually getting more value than just hearing, you know, bumper stickers and, you know, four part processes. And, <laughs> and right. You know, there, at some point there's a law of diminishing return for how many formulas you can spit at oh, somebody, yeah. right? I've got 400 formulas. Easily. <laughs> yeah, no shortage. I've got eight, eight of these and four of these and four steps to this and that's 16 right. tips to that. Oh my God. I could, Yeah. It's that's how, and that's how your brain works, which is part of what makes you so brilliant is you're able to create something out of nothing or create structure right out of chaos. But the, to, to your point, there's diminishing return of if you do that too much, then all of a sudden all they have is formulas and they don't actually move and do anything and create change and create value in, in, in the space. When you run an event and you could go any point in time and if this has changed, you can say I used to do this right now I do it this way. But do you have a formula or a rough estimation of you want to have other speakers at your event? I know early on, I hear this a lot from people. They're worried of having too many speakers or they have, you know, how am I going to have enough content? How do I balance that? Do you have a formula for like how much you speak versus how much guest speaking spot you you have in an event? Yes. And it well, has changed approach? over time, of course. So I used to bring in probably, I was open to bringing in maybe six speakers at a three-day event where two a day or something like that. Now my limit is one a day. 
because I, I need to be the majority speaker. And I'd say uh, three quarters of the day minimum, at least three quarters of the day needs to be you. So that's my formula now. I like it. Um, and sometimes like these virtual events that I've been having. So I've had three virtual three day events now in the pandemic with no speakers. Uh, no other speakers but myself because I shortened the times. I was just so going to ask whereas, you, what's the time frame look like live right. versus virtual? So in person, right, we'd open the doors at 8.30 a.m. I mean, I'm not an early bird. So 8.30 a.m. <laughs> and then we'd start at 9. <laughs> I, I start at 10. And, <laughs> right. <you> know, <laughs> we'd start at 9 and then we'd go to about 5.30 or 6. Um, and I don't do the evening sessions because frankly, I can't stay awake during the evening sessions. I'm not going to teach something in the evening just to, just to pre uh, put pressure on people to be there all day like some people do, right? And so we end at 5.30 or 6 and then we go to the bar and we drink and all that kind of stuff. And it's fun. And we eat dinner and we get a good night's sleep. I mean, that's a typical live event uh, time frame for me. But in the virtual world... I've been hearing, and we can talk about Zoom fatigue, which I think is a bunch of BS, frankly, but, um, and you can ask me why, but with all the people complaining about Zoom times, I'm like, okay, so we're going to go from nine to two then, nine to two. And so I'll open the doors at like 8.45. I usually have some music playing and, and I stand up during my events too. So I have a standing desk and I just rotate my computer around and- Oh, what a great idea. Huh? What a great idea. Yeah, it's a casual space. I, I've also found that, well, I'll, so, and then we go till two. So there's, and there's a half an hour for lunch. So there isn't as much time to do the experiences. So I find that's just the bare minimum of what I need to teach what I need in order to sell what I need to sell. And that's on the and virtual. Are, are you still looking at doing like two day or three day events? Like you do three days in a row, but shorter days. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Three days gotcha. in a row. Um, and shorter hours. So nine to two and people, you know, can pop off anytime. You can't go have cocktails with them. You can't have lunch with them. You can't see them in the morning and, and, you know, talk about the program or whatever. So it's, it's a crazy world and you have to set usually, well, you don't have to do it this way, but I've found that I have to schedule follow-up phone calls the whole week or two after the event to do all the conversions and, and to enroll people which frankly is a lot of time. So what a three-day event used to do is produce 60 to 120,000 for me. That's a smaller event for me. Um, now I have to, to schedule all these calls um, afterwards. It takes so much time. Like it's exhausting how many that, calls I've done. I'm that, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I feel the exact same way too. Um, and I'm glad you said that, you know, like, there's, I think there's a lot of pressure too if you're a speaker and you've been thinking about getting putting an event on and now virtually it's like, oh, how do I, I have to do this big hard pitch and this thing that I learned from, you know, whatever. And, and it just doesn't convert the same. And the reason is no. they can just, they can hit end. They can just, you know, they're on their phone or whatever. They can just leave and go pick up their kid from daycare. They don't, there's not that weirdness of a social crowd of, oh, I guess I need to be an adult and say thank you, shake your hand and say this isn't for me. You know, it's weird right. to get up in the middle of a pitch and go to the bathroom, but on Zoom, you just do it. And you might not <laughs> even forget your camera, right? It is um, so different. It is so different with yeah. this in the sales arena. Yeah, so I'm doing the same kind of thing. I'll do, at the most, I might do like an application. I've done applications with deposits. I've done applications with no deposits. But I basically, at the end, it's like, hey, this is the thing that might be right for you. If you think it might be, 
fill out this application and then we'll schedule a call over the next two weeks. So kind of a similar, yeah. similar vibe where I make it much more down to earth, very chill, uh, right. very accessible. And I feel like that people respond to that, right? That's what I'm doing too. So I take them to a page where there's a little form to fill out a questionnaire. And then I have my assistant on the line booking people into my calendar. So, but there's people out there that are doing hard closers um, on the call. Like they'll take them out of the meeting. I think that's just so wrong. Uh, frankly, no, you know, I don't know who's doing, I don't know who's listening, but I don't agree with the strategy that you have all these strategists out there who say, okay, it's your turn. Come on out of the meeting. Let's go over here in this Zoom room and I'm going to try to close you into the program. I'm like, that's just, I can't do that. Like, that's not comfortable at all. Well, thanks. You must've just listened to our previous episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know actually what order these are going in this recording. <laughs> But you know what that sounds like to me is uh, because this also this wasn't your style either. If I remember at your seminars and nor necessarily mine, I've done it. I've tried it where you have like the the coaching team in the back yeah, and you introduce them on day one and then they schedule kind of free coaching sessions, strategy sessions throughout the event. But really what it is, is they're coaches and they're closers at the same time. They're wearing both hats and they're trying to help coach the attendees one on one and they take them out during the weekend and they take them to sit down at a table somewhere. Yeah. So that to me sounds like the exact same strategy that people were doing at live events, doing it virtually. So I think if you don't agree with that at a live event, you certainly wouldn't agree with it at a virtual event. Correct? Yeah. yeah. No, I won't, I won't do that strategy myself personally. And it's a mm -hmm. personal decision. I, I guess, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, no, I like it. I, I, I like, been, I like both I've versions. Also, though, Speaking of speaking, I've been the speaker at someone else's event where go. I saw the, the people, the closers or whatever, pull people out of the session to go have a meeting during my talk. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you should do that during breaks or after hours or before the thing or something like that, but to pull them out. So there's just some people that are, I think could tweak what they're doing, frankly, and make it more effective for everyone. No, that's good. Um, but they're just, and I think a lot of people that are doing them are just um, really focused on the money. You know, I'm focused on change and so are you and, and changing people's lives. And I don't know, I just. Yeah, I, I think you need to have one without the other because if, if, and this is what I finally landed on, you know, if, if I want to be really effective at producing change, at teaching, genuinely like getting people either learning something, having an experience, making a transformation, if I want to do that the best we can, then I don't want AV to get in the way, which means I got to pay for a higher end AV experience. Um, I need to be able to have staff for my office to produce the event. You know, you have. To, I want to have maybe it's music or maybe it's beach balls or maybe it's raffle prizes or whatever your your kind of thing is that creates a little more atmosphere. It takes money to run all that stuff effectively, and I don't want to be burned out myself. I don't want to have to do two of these a, a, a month, you know, back in the day when you started, I was starting the same time, 2008, I was doing, you know, 38 plus three day or longer seminars a year, which was like sometimes three or four a month. And it was not sustainable. And that's when I realized I had to start making more money doing this so I could have a bigger event, make more money at that one, create that change at a high level, and then not have to go back the next weekend just to, you know, feed my family, right? Yeah, that's insanity right there. Like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and no, look, I was in my 20s and I was like, I'm never going to die. You know, uh, <laughs> that does not work today. 
no. and I'll, God bless you if you want to do that, go off and do a seminar every weekend and crush it because it's your life's purpose. But you might find you want to find a more sustainable model, right, <laughs> Katrina? Yes. No, totally. I have a family. Uh, we're going on a, you know, we like to take four day weekends in the trailer going glamping and um, vacations. And That's it's fun. just too exhausting. I'm, I'm tired of being exhausted and doing business the exhausting way. And yeah. I'm finding um, simpler ways to run and grow my business and scale it to much bigger revenues, frankly. Hey, that sounds good to me. I, I like that. Hey, let's flip it a little bit. We've been talking uh, just because we both have been in this world so much um, about the production of seminars and putting that on. So guys, I hope this has been a valuable conversation thus far. Let's flip it though, Katrina, and let's talk about the speakers that come into our events. Um, first couple things is when you're looking for a speaker at an event, honestly, what are like the top things you're looking for? Is it talent? Is it topic? Is it joint venture? Is it joint promotion? Is it sales ability? Is it fame? Kind of what, what are some of the trigger points for you to go, you know what, that would be a good speaker. I have to like them and trust them and they have to have integrity. So that's the biggest thing for me. They have to, I have to want to refer them. There are people that I booked very few, but a couple that I booked in the past who I thought was a good fit topic wise, but maybe we didn't, I mean, we were okay friends, but it didn't, I just kind of felt yucky afterwards that my people were going into their, into their programs for some reason. So that no longer, I don't, I don't do that any longer. Don't, I don't recommend you bring anybody in who isn't in alignment with your values and your personality and your energy because you don't want to feel yucky if your people buy their stuff. <laughs> I, I love it. And, and that's, and look, I think we both had those and hopefully you're not talking about me, but we've, <laughs> we, <laughs> we both had those people when it's like, you know, maybe I had a bigger name. I've done that sometimes you probably have where it's like, Oh, that's kind of a bigger name. That'll attract people. And sometimes the result was amazing. Sometimes it was icky and I go, gosh, that's not worth it. Um, and I've had the people that are great salespeople that outsell me and just crush it. And we do a split and it's like, I guess, I guess I made some money, but, but then it starts trickling in, doesn't it? The feedback, the, Hey, that person disappeared or this thing was weird or that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't happy. They, they canceled. Hey, how do I get a hold of this person? I haven't heard back from their team. And then I go, Oh gosh, that it's just not worth it. You no, know, cause it, it, it it's all reflects on me. It does. I've only had one or two people like that so far. So I'm just very careful now to vet them better. And I have to know somebody really well. And I usually will bring in people who have some sort of stage swap opportunity, right? Like you and I both swapped. I spoke at your event. You spoke at mine. Let's talk you know? about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, explain kind of, so let's say number one criteria is trust integrity. So assuming that's there and relationship. Relationship. Uh, and then, of course, topic. Topic is key. So because I have a three-day event, there's usually three different focuses that I talk about. Each day has a different focus. So I need to bring in speakers who go deeper on something that I don't go deep on. So you go deeper on a couple things that I don't go deeper on, like your story and uh, the NLP stuff that you do and that kind of thing, and even holding bigger events. And so the, the, I... Yeah, I just, I don't want to bring in somebody that does exactly what I do, although sometimes I do, but they focus on something different. Like I'm, I'm speaking for this gal's event. 
who is a business coach like me, and she does a lot of what we, we both do a lot of the same things, but she doesn't do publishing. And so I'm coming in and talking to her group more now about publishing books and becoming an author and all that kind of thing. So that's my angle for her crowd, right? So what, so with you, for instance, you, and just like me, right, we, we have, you might have your main niche, whatever that's called, right? Jumpstart your business. But within there, you can speak on speaking, you can talk about sales, you can talk about love and money and attraction, which you do, money relationship, you can talk about publishing. So you're starting to add that. Do you advocate that as a speaker, we should have kind of multiple, I guess, angles or pivots that we can move into that way? Or do you, do you like that? Or do you like, because a lot of speakers are growing up in the industry, like, I'm the this person and 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 there's merit to that right you build a whole brand around being this one message the one book the one online course the one signature talk um and I think that's powerful but then when you look at the opportunity to speak at a seminar you that might be a conflict and you might need to kind of niche into a slightly different area what what would you tell a, a newer speaker the best way to to build themselves up be more versatile or own a niche there's pros and cons to both, of course. No, right? I need I need a black and white answer <laughs> so we can grill you on social media later. <laughs> okay, no, my black and white answer is Kidding. no niching is my black and white answer. But Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I'm like an anti-nicher because I do so many things. And but it was it's funny because when I was starting to get coaching myself way back when, uh, when I was learning more about this world and the coaching world. My coach at the time, my first coach uh, was Allie Brown, the E-Zine Queen. And that was way back in 2005, 6, and 7. Love Allie. She's amazing. I learned a lot from her. But she wanted me to be the follow-up queen and just focus on follow-up marketing. Follow-up because I had an amazing system. I had a product on it. I taught it. And I'm really good at it. But I also, so I refused, but this is something you might not want to do with your coaches, refuse what they're telling you to do because they know better. (laughs) That's awesome. And so I'm laughing because I probably would have been a millionaire by now had um, I taken her advice and because I could have spoken on so many different people's stages because nobody was talking specifically about follow-up and it would be a very unique talk. I still speak on that today, but it's just one piece of the pie the way I teach it now. And I feel, I felt like I would be doing people a disservice by just talking about follow-up when there was so many other things they needed to do to build a consistent money-making business. That's awesome. And I got to tell you, I had Allie Brown on my other podcast, The Driven Entrepreneur, on the last year sometime. And I don't think uh, she got introduced as the easy and queen. No, she's not the easy queen anymore. <laughs> I'm sure that works really well for her. But, you know, it but we totally evolve, don't we, right? We all. Yes, we totally it, evolve. We evolve because we are evolutionary events. We're individual people. Hey, you you mentioned when you talked about trust, integrity to start, you said relationship. And I'm curious, one of the sticking points that, I've again, I find a lot of people uh, that want to get booked are coming up to is, I get that. I get that we want to have a relationship. I get that, you know, we need to know each other. How, what's the best way, if, if I say I run across, I'm like, I know about Katrina Sawa. I've heard about you. I've seen you in Facebook groups, I, you know, I, whatever but I don't have like a direct access, what would be the best way that you would appreciate maybe initiating a relationship without like, I don't want to pitch you. I don't want to come off and say, I should be your next speaker. and I don't know you, right? I get that I don't want to do that. 
but how can I approach you in a holistic way, in a positive way to maybe have the chance to build a relationship? Because there's a lot of, I don't know about you, like I get approached a lot and like messages and DMs kind of all the time from different people. And I'm trying to work my, I guess, in my own brain, what's the difference between what feels creepy and what is like pitchy and what is spammy and what makes me go, you know, yeah, I actually like to maybe, you know, meet you somehow. Do you have any thoughts on that? Of course. Oh, good. Because I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know what to tell people. That's why I'm asking you. Well, I think everybody should be educated on here. And when I say everybody, I mean all entrepreneurs should be the first thing they get training on is how to approach people in a win-win opportunity situation. Uh, You have to look, I, I look at people as referral sources first and then prospects secondary if for some reason they put a flag up that says they might be interested in my programs, products, and services. So referrals first. I'm always looking for collaboration partners, connections, um, people who could do joint ventures perhaps, but also just I look at people to see if or how we can help each other and, and or share each other's stuff or support each other in some way. If you approach people in that way with those words, like, hi, Matt, it's great to see you. It looks like we have a bunch of friends on here. I think we're both speakers. I'd love to see if or how we can help each other, refer business to each other, or support each other. Let me know if you'd like to schedule a call to get to know each other, right? That is 150 times more effective, more approachable than, hi, I'd love to be on your podcast. I see you bring on entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. That unfortunately, sorry guys, that gets deleted. I said, sorry, guys, that get those ones get deleted. I, right. Uh, you know, I see half a dozen at least a day of just fill in the blank template. I should be on your podcast. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Yes. And I get a lot of emails from assistants, too. Oh, my my the client I work for should be on your speakers, you know, because on my international speaker network, I book two speakers a, a month. Yeah. And people are constantly emailing me. And I'm like, are why are you emailing me if you clearly know about the speaker network you would have gone to the web page and saw the description that says please fill out this form if you request to be a speaker mm. you don't email me <laughs> like why would you email me you i never email people out of the blue without reading and thoroughly researching the information first like if someone has a podcast you go to their podcast page and see if they have a, a submission questionnaire to be a guest first hello or you read around or you look around you don't like blindly like just go email them because you're too lazy to pay attention to detail drives me absolutely crazy oh you you hit it on the head katrina you got to take a minute and and actually learn about that and that you can use a template right like if you're going to email someone you could use a basic template but how nice is it when they actually know what your group is about or they took the time to join the Facebook group or to your point, there's a form. You don't even have to pitch them. Fill out the form and then you email follow up a week later. Hey, I just wanted to check in and you know that kind of thing. Um, exactly. <laughs> I've had friends that have a, a no guest podcast, right? It's just like a short teaching, you know, solo voice podcast and they get pitches all the time. And it's like, have you never listened to my show? Obviously not. Obviously you got a list of, you know, a hundred different podcasts in the category and you just pitched them all. (laughs) So do a little bit of research. I think that's awesome. Uh, Approach win-win scenario. I love that as well. Um, Do you, I guess I'll say what I, what I think and you, I'll bet we'll probably agree. But when I pitch a win-win scenario, I kind of do the same thing. I always start with them first 
So like, hey, I love your internet, you know, your uh, speaker association. I think it's awesome what you're doing. Hey, I'd love to talk about how, you know, maybe I can drive some members in there. Maybe I can have you come on my show. Maybe we could, we could find a way to help, you know, promote your, your association more. Um, are you, you know, are you open to that? Let's have it. Are you open to having a chat? Would, do you like that approach or is it more vague? Like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Let's talk. Let's see how we can collaborate and help each other. How do you, how do you look at that more, um, I guess, verbiage wise? Yeah, I think both are good, especially if they're paying attention to something that you might want help uh, filling, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm always looking for new members in the network, but, but and I do that too. So if I know somebody runs a group or whatnot, it's like, how can I help you promote your group? Or, you know, can I have you on? So I don't have a podcast necessarily. I had a radio show on Blog Talk like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. A <laughs> uh, long time ago. But uh, now I do the International Speaker Network, so I still look for speakers, right? And I can do two a month, which isn't that many because you meet so many people. It's like you could get full in a heartbeat, right? I mean, I can get full in a week. I can book 24 speakers in a week if I really put my mind to it. But the point is then to try to come up with other ways that you can share people out to your followers. So joint Facebook lives, joint webinars or master classes. So I'm doing, I did two in the last two weeks where I found somebody that we did a joint venture call, like a call to get to know each other, to see how we can help each other. Right. And we discovered we really liked each other's energy. And so we said, well, we should do something together because we both talk to the same audience. You speak on this. I speak on that. Let's do something together. And we created a masterclass or a webinar or whatever, where, you know, they t- give tips on this topic. I give the tips on this topic. We both uh, share some kind of low price call to action or free call to action. And it's a list builder. And so that's a great way. So if you did that once a week, you'd have 52 speaking slots that you could find people to do these joint venture Facebook lives or, or Zoom calls with. And you'd be like the star of the networking group because everybody would want to be to do that with you. Whoa. Can we slow it down? I hope you got that. <laughs> I know, right? No, because we have agreed on that. Ever. We've agreed <laughs> on that forever. People are, I don't have my own events. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's a Facebook live. And if you do it consistently and all of a sudden you can get some traffic there. Yeah. Um, we're doing a new thing, uh, part of our 10x Advantage program. We're doing a 10x Club, which is a free pop-up mastermind group. And that's something that uh, we launched earlier in the year. And you know what the whole idea is? I, it's like the whole pitch, Katrina, is I don't sell anything there. It's not a webinar. It's not a challenge. It's not a funnel. And it's like, why are we doing all this? Why are we having these awesome guests come in? And, and we're trying to get a mastermind community moving that we're just providing value. But Why? It's really about the guest in that way, right? It's about getting access to better and better guests and and giving value and saying, I have a whole amazing group of entrepreneurs and speakers, and do you want to come speak to them? So even if I never sold a dime to our organization, to the members, it's the relationship of having the relationship currency, right? Of having a stage essentially for there. So don't underestimate the power of any level of stage, podcast, Facebook, live, Zoom conference, networking group, uh, every Wednesday for an hour, that's a stage. Three days in a row, that's a stage, right? You can do them all. If you're Katrina, you literally will do them all. (laughs) (laughs) International Speaker Network. That's you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'm just looking at the website right now and checking it out. So you're doing Zooms, 
the first Tuesday of each month and the third Friday. So twice a month, every month. And are you doing in-person in Sacramento at this point or are they only Zooms? No, I transitioned them uh, to Zoom only okay. about six months before COVID hit. Because uh, I have so many international speaker friends and friends all over the world. And also the local meetings were just getting so well uh, un, unattended. Not yeah. well, whatever that is. <laughs> they were not getting well attended. And I was just like four hours of my day. I was like, this is not worth my time. So, and you're driving to, and you're setting up, and you're tearing down, you're driving back, and you're all parking lot conversation. And right? there's just, yeah, the whole thing ends up being four hours instead of one, you know? Yeah. Plus yeah. five so minutes to very set up. Efficient. We do networking. Everybody gets to share who they are as long as you show up on time. There's a quick speaker. The speaker's only 15 minutes. But if you're these days, you have to be good at a five minute talk, a 10 minute talk, a 15 minute talk. That's right. You have to be able to share a good, solid, like amazing nugget of information or exercise and then take them to a free thing. You know, that's ideally what I do when I do those kind of talks. And then we do a discussion and then we even put someone in the hot seat usually and they get like a little mastermind in that. We do that all in an hour because I'm all about efficiency and, and being productive. That's awesome. And that's the International Speaker Network. The And you can find that at ispeakernetwork.com. Just a little plug for you there. Um, and you can join that as a member from anywhere around the world. And of course, guys, this is what we're talking about. Apply to speak. Hopefully, Katrina gets a gazillion apply to speak applications. There's no reason why you... And look, if you click one of those buttons and you're like, oh God, I don't have my talk title. I don't have my bio. I don't have this ready, that ready. You know, that's the first thing. And that's why like, as part of this show... We teach speaker training, not just like how to speak, but it's, you need to have each one of these pieces ready to go, right? So you don't have to think about it and get in your own way and sabotage and, and procrastinate. It's like if it's, if your bio is just sitting there and you're happy with it, if your headshot is done, if your titles are written and you're happy with them, if your description is written and happy, you know, if you have all that done, then it's a matter of how many people can I connect with? How can I get myself out there more? And we start rocking and rolling. So I love that you literally practice what you preach Katrina, you have apply to speak right on the website there. That is awesome. Um, as we wind down here, last couple of questions. Um, do you have, and we, we, we can keep it anonymous, but I always love to ask if you have any speaker nightmare stories. What are some of your pet peeves or have you ever had, you know, someone shows up for the event and you're like, are you kidding me? We, we're not going to vent here. You know, it's totally anonymous. But do you have any fun horror stories that we should avoid being that person? <laughs> well, I was just, when you said speaker nightmare, I'm like, uh, that was, I was thinking of my own nightmare. My first big stage that I spoke on was 250 people at a regional conference for Juice Plus. Uh, and so all these reps from Juice Plus and all the execs and everything, they brought me in and I was, I was much greener there and I was pretty green of a speaker, right? I'm like, oh my God, I was so nervous. I had cue cards written out of things I wanted to say, but I had a lot of stuff on there. Like oh, it was that. tons of content on these huge cue cards. And I was out on this stage in a suit that I don't like. Like I thought I had to wear a suit back then and I couldn't dress the way I wanted. I was conforming to what I thought I needed to be at that time. Oh my God, it was just horrid. And then in the middle of my talk, which I don't remember how long it is, but it was way too long. I mean, the stage was way huge too. It was very long on the sides. So, and there was no props. There was no like chair, there was no table or anything. And I remember there was a, a big like table on one of the far ends of the stage. 
which is where I went up and ended up putting my cue cards down on. And when I picked them up one time, they fell on the floor, right? Oh, no. During my talk. And first of all, it was bad that I was reading from a cue card. Anyways, the second thing was that now they were messed up and out of order. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So uh, don't do that. See, I feel I'm like, is this not- going to have a happy ending? So. <laughs> You're, no, you're in a terrible not, suit. Your cue cards are all messed up. No, I walked down. I, I mean, I ended up doing okay. Some people complimented me. Some people said, oh, it's okay. And I, I walked down, head down, and like was so embarrassed. And I was just, yeah. And Nothing like, hey, I've gotten those pity compliments. So, <laughs> hey, good effort, Matt. Good effort. But what that taught me was to be better prepared, okay? And I am not a... I don't practice my talks. I really don't. I don't think I've only practiced maybe once or twice. And so if you're someone who's um, thinking you have to be perfect, no, because we don't want you so perfect. You're rehearsed and you don't sound like you're talking, you're a talking human. Right. And, uh, but don't be so unpracticed that you do that. Yeah. What what are some things that, and again, this is a, a fun laugh at the horrors of speaking. What are some things that speakers can do at your event to guarantee they don't get invited back? <laughs> well, I would say um, changing their mind on what they're going to speak about after that we've agreed on what they're speaking on. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Oh, they come and they say, hey, you do you know, mind? I'm going to talk on this now. I'm going to talk on this instead of that, Katrina, um, because I have this new program coming out. So I'm going to do this talk instead. I'm like, uh, no, you're not because you're filling a gap in my content. You're not going to change your talk topic. (laughs) And not to mention, you might be in an event where people have been, it's been promoted. People paid good money for a ticket. Your face was on there with a talk title and a topic and everything else. And they might very well have part of it is coming for that. And now all of a sudden you're putting the promoter in a real bad position. How else can we get uh, guaranteed not to be invited back? Uh, you know, so, okay. So <laughs> well, I guess I've you wouldn't get invited happen. back. You weren't there in the first place. <laughs> right? Twice. I heavily promoted this event. My very first um, enrollment event was four days in San Francisco. I paid a pretty penny for the Fisherman's Wharf Hotel and all the food. And I had two speakers at the last minute say they weren't coming because my registrations, I did not have 50 people. And I, I had less than 50 people, so they were not coming. Wow. And it was bigger names in the industry at the time. One was even a coach that I was working with who mm. was, declined coming. And so the next event, I invited zero speakers because I was so hurt that they didn't come out. I didn't want anything to happen. And I'll tell you that next event, I was so um, damaged, I'll say, from that experience Mm. that I sold nothing because I didn't have, yeah, it was just, I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that feeling. And I'm glad you brought that up. You know, um, we don't have time to really get deep into that side, but you know, there, there's a legitimacy to, as a speaker, how many times have you been promised, you know, we're going to have 100 people, and you get there and there's 22, and you're like, mm. But at the same time, you're like, well, there's a line for there, right? There's some kind of a line of what kind of what, what are we expecting as a promoter, but what are we expecting as a speaker? Um, but certainly it's like, hey, you know, I thought you said 50 and there's 40 people and I won't come out for that. Like there's definitely the high and mighty. We don't want to have that attitude. I completely agree with that for sure. Um, 
what's something you want to leave a speaker with? I want to get booked more. Um, I don't know what's been getting in my way, but I know I want to, it's time that I need to get on stage and this year it's dang it. It's time. What would you tell, uh, your favorite new speakers? Pay attention. (laughs) Just pay attention. There's speaking gigs all over the place. I get call for speakers through Google alerts every single day. I'm constantly looking and noticing what my friends are doing. I'm on the list of my friends who speak a lot or run summits or do events. And not because I want to get their emails necessarily, no offense, but because I want to pay attention to what they're doing and speaking at and what opportunities are there. And I'm also paying attention on social media. So if I see something advertised, like some speaker summit that I happen to miss that I would have been great for, I reach out to the person who ran it and say, hey, if you ever do this again, I'd love to be considered. Maybe we can have a call when you're done with it because I think we could help each other. Or, you know, most of those people do them again and again and again. And so I'm constantly paying attention to opportunities around me and I'm taking action on them. I have something in my inbox right now that has to get filled out before um, Friday, before the, uh, you know, within two days. And I haven't taken action on it yet, but it's still sitting up in my browser. So I get it done by that date. If you're lazy or you're not paying attention and you're not following up and doing things right now and stopping and taking a moment to fill something out, you're going to lose opportunities left and right. I, 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 I love it. So follow through, be aware, look, be diligent, but, but to your point, follow through. Um, I love that. You know, I, I finally booked my, my first TEDx talk and finally, right this year, it became a goal. So I set out and I did it and it was for last year. And I had filled everything out for them and sent everything they asked for, and it was all good. And then pandemic hit, and they rescheduled for next year. Well, I almost lost it due to follow-up. I thought I was followed up in my head. It was all done. And then I got an email saying, hey, I still haven't heard back from your, you know, the final things we asked for. Um, today was the, you know, I just want to make sure, it, do you still want to speak? And I'm like, ah! And I had it all, luckily, because I'd already done it. So I got it together. I apologized, but I sent it in. But I'm thinking, man... That's a horror story for myself is, you know, even if I'm trying to do the right thing, I can still mess something up. But luckily, again, I'm prepared. I've written it out. I already know what I talk about so I can get it together in 10 minutes. And I sent everything over and it is now booked and we're everything's good. And then as he asked for more things, I had those ready, sent them in five minutes. And he went, wow, you're so prepared. And I'm like, oh, good. I, I, I redeemed this thing from a dumpster fire. This is good news. You definitely have to be prepared with all of that information. And when people say to have your speaker sheet, one sheet done, I don't really have a one sheet. I have a 17 page document, right? So it has all my topics on there, all the descriptions and the bullet points, and it has everything you need, a couple different bullet uh, bios. It has questions for podcasters. It has uh, references to call. It has all my social links and everything you need in one Word document that I can email if, if I'm emailing with somebody. So you have to be prepared. And if you're not prepared, you're not going to get as booked as often, or you're not going to feel comfortable reaching out because you're not ready. So I would the say- power of preparation. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Katrina, you have, uh, I want to make sure we also, I want to plug, you have a really cool resource that you set up for speakers. So I want to make sure we, we give a second to plug that. Um, and then where where's the best place for people to reach out to you, to follow you, um, you know, this, the, the listeners of this podcast, you know, we, 
it, it's a, a tight knit community, right? This isn't to the masses. This is, you know, you're, you're hearing my and Katrina's voice. Um, you're going to want to connect for sure. So what's the best socials to connect with websites? And then tell me about this speaker resource you created. Yeah. So I'm on a lot of different, I'm on all the different sites. So whichever one you're on, you can ping me, but I hang out mostly on Facebook. Um, and then I produce a lot of videos myself on YouTube. So either one of those two is good. And every once in a while, I'll get on to LinkedIn uh, and go through my messages. So I would say, whatever you do, make sure you send a private message, right? And that's what you want to do with anybody or anything you're trying to reach out to. You don't just send them a friend request or a connection request or or like their thing, you have to send private messages because we get 450 notifications on each site every day. There's no way we can look at them all. So I can't tell always if you comment on something or what, whatever, or even, I don't even see all my friend requests. So a private message, I would highly recommend. And then of course the website. Yeah. That's great. So you can go to um, Katrina Sawa on any social media, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all of them. And then it's ispeakernetwork.com is your international speaker network to apply to speak, to join the group, to be a part of that, because that sounds awesome. It's virtual 100% now, so you can join from anywhere. And then um, you, again, you had a speaker resource. I'm just going to list it because, come on, tell me what this thing is. Yeah, the well, and the iSpeaker network is free, by the way, so you can attend those calls. And on that page, too, is this free audio that you're going to talk about. But I have a jumpstart yourself as a speaker audio training. It's kind of it, it's it's what you need to put into those bios and that speaker topic and how to write your your Ooh. description and your talk description. So it's a lot of practical tactical stuff about how to get prepared to speak. And so you can get that on the free free resources page, free trainings page on my website with a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, jumpstartyourbiznow.com forward slash speaker audio or forward slash um, free trainings. There's a ton of stuff there. Awesome. Well, let's send over that then. So it's jumpstartyourbiz, B-I-Z, now, jumpstartyourbiz.com slash speaker audio, and you'll get that. That sounds amazing, actually. That's what I want everyone to have. So uh, good yeah. on you for that. Katrina, you've been awesome. Thank you for all the time and 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 your friendship over the years and I don't know. Just thank you for being you. You you are so inspiring. And I'm excited now to reconnect and to do some more speaking with each other. I know. We haven't talked in a while. so But we're both experiencing family a lot. And so yes. congratulations on your move and everything that you're doing. And thank, you. thank you. Oh, you're the best. Awesome. Thanks, Katrina. All right, guys. That is Speaking Again and Booked. Hey, I'm loving season two. This is awesome. Um, I, I just listened to what Katrina said. Literally everything she said was gold. Whether you want to produce your own event or you want to get booked at event producers, it's not that hard. It's trust. It's integrity. It's relationship first. It's give first. All the things Katrina said, follow that. And then again, make sure you follow Katrina Sawa, S-A-W-A, wherever you hang out on social and friend request and then DM and then head over to jumpstartyourbiznow.com slash speaker audio and get that free audio. How about how to set everything up from Katrina? That is awesome. All right, I'll see you next week. And until then, hopefully I will see you on stage. Bye-bye. <laughs>